Well, happy Father's Day, and let me ask all the dads to stand, please, and let us show special appreciation to you. God bless you. So thankful to God for my dad. He has been an awesome blessing to me, and I'm thankful to be a dad. Brian, Lindsay, and Connor are just the joy of my life. I, I consider it such a privilege that the Lord would place them in my life and give me the incredible assignment, calling, and blessing of being their dad. So I know you feel the same way about your children. What a high calling and God's best to you as you seek his wisdom and being the kind of father that your children need. I've got a message today that speaks to that. I, I want to be upfront with you that there will be some tension in this message, and I pray that when we come to those moments that you will allow the Holy Spirit to keep you focused and, and deal with that so that you can come to the healing of our awesome Father God. A.W. Tozer made this statement. It has been uh, what I've often quoted from him. It is a shaping statement, and here's what it says. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Every single one of us in this room, we have a concept of God that has been shaped through our parents, our culture, books we've read, talks we've heard. We've got this construct. We have this schema. We have this perspective of God, and out of that perspective, we relate to God. Now, the Holy Spirit comes along as a teacher and a revealer of the God of Scripture so that we have the right picture of God. God sent His Son, and so right off the bat, we see a Father-Son relationship and that we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So Jesus in our history is not just a historical figure, though He is a historical figure. He is also showing us God. Uh, you see Jesus as teacher, but God, so much more than just a great teacher, so much more than just a compassionate miracle worker. Here is what in, is, is so interesting to me, that God in Scripture is most often described as Father than in any other way. When you consider your concept of God and that He's most often revealed as Father, your thoughts of blessing... And joy overflow your mind? Or is that where you are tempted to shut out God because of the way your earthly father has treated you? You know, I don't believe we should preach anything here that you couldn't preach anywhere, anywhere in the world. So how does this message play out for the children in the orphanage in Jamaica? What is their concept of God as father when they're living in a home because they've been orphaned by their earthly parents. Will this message speak to them? Yes. And it'll speak to those right in this service that struggle getting the full concept of God that starts with God being likened to a father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the father. See, Jesus came as a servant... Jesus came as one to redeem, but he is identified as the son 
of God. And then Jesus really got into interesting discussions when he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The scripture goes on to talk about the baptism of Jesus. And when Jesus was baptized, God spoke, this is my son. And in him I am well pleased. And you see the activity of the Holy Spirit in that very defining moment. Jesus went on to say, when you pray, you start it like this, our Father who art in heaven. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that as they see your good works, they will glorify, not a boss, not this distant remote deity, but they will glorify your Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. And no one comes to the Father but by me. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So just in the Gospels alone, God is referred to as Father 189 times. Jesus referred to God as Father more than any other way. So, how are you relating to God when it comes to the fatherhood of God. Jesus on the cross said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Let me read with you Galatians chapter 4, starting at verse 4. So if you have your Bibles, you would open there with me. A book written by Paul, fourth chapter of Galatians, starting at verse 4, and the words will come on the screen. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Notice the language of family, adoption, sons, full rights as the sons and daughters of God, heirs. Amazing and powerful that we as sinners become sons because we have a perfect father. Now, what is your concept of God as it relates to God being a father? Is that a joyful thought or does that challenge you? You see, the enemy works overtime at trying to confuse our concept of God as father. And if he's allowed, he'll work through our earthly father to confuse the picture. The Bible's very clear that every father is to be the priest of the home, the spiritual leader the provider, the blesser of the kids. And when all of that breaks down at the earthly level, there can be some significant breakdown in the vertical level of our hearts to God being our Father. Matter of fact, there are many people who don't want to hear a message about the fatherhood of God because that's what they struggle with. That if, if I'm to relate to God as a father by what I've experienced with my earthly father, that's going to be too difficult. I don't know that I can make the leap. Let me try to bring this through a story and see what we do with it. 
Matt Redman is known as a great worship leader in our day. He has written some great songs, The Heart of Worship, that talks about worship being about Jesus and all that we've made it over the years. He wrote this great song of getting back to the heart of worship. It's been sung in church after church, a very powerful song. He wrote a song about the presence of God and it's better as one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. After 9-11, he wrote a song that was the song most sung in churches across America for the next couple of years called Blessed Be Your Name. And it deals with when things are going well and when I'm in a desert place and when I'm in pain and when I'm in suffering, blessed be your name. He gave language to what many of us were feeling of watching that tragedy of 9-11 and yet holding to the sovereignty of God. Powerful song. Next song he wrote was a song called You Never Let Go. Through the fire and through the flood, you never let go. It, it, it resonates with the very hymn we sang today, Great is thy faithfulness, O God. So he has been used and continues to be used of God as like this, this instrument to lead people in worship and to craft language that resonates with our hearts and allows us to declare to God worship and praise. What you also need to know about his story is that when he was seven years old, his dad committed suicide. A couple of years later, his mom met a man. He seemed to be a great guy. Matt even said he had so many characteristics that I wanted to be like. He writes in his story that it seemed that they were getting a whole new start. That there was, seemed to be a completion again about the family. But after his mom married that guy, a few months into the relationship, that guy betrayed the trust of the family and specifically Matt's trust as he came into his room every night for 18 months and sexually abused him. Finally, Matt told his mom... And the truth came out about the guy who was also a school teacher and he had done this with other kids and, and the guy went to prison for it. Now, if the most important thing about you is your concept of God and the way he's most often revealed is that of Father, then how does Matt Redman end up today happily married with five incredible kids and being used in the ministry to lead people in worship that is all about who God is and often refers to God as a father. How do you get there? And that's what I want to deal with today. You see, if you've had a great father, praise God. But your father isn't perfect. And if you've not had a great father... And there are some serious issues in your life, then I believe what you're about to hear could give you strength and strategy as you leave here so that your future is not your past. God is in the business of giving you hope regardless of your circumstance. God is in the business to, to do such a work in you that you are transformed and over time, it's hard to even believe where you've come from. That's the depth of God's work. But I don't want to sugarcoat this. I'm not going to stand in front of you and, and not acknowledge that in our culture, 
Satan has so attacked the family. And it's not just so an immediate attack would be played out, but he's going back to the core of God's plan. God instituted the family before the church. And so Satan is trying to strike a blow at fathers from being the kind of fathers that we are created to be so that it can forever confuse the concept of God and keep an entire culture, nation, and nations far from God rather than running to God. We're we're dealing with a real-life issue. So as I've prayed and processed Matt Redman's story, the scripture and the truth of what God says through his word, here's what I would say the first step is in trying to have a right concept of God, regardless what the relationship with your earthly father has communicated. Number one, you got to start at the cross. All of us have a family tree. You can research your family tree and go back up the tree and start at the origin. It's amazing the technology available that allow you to, to develop the family tree. And for some of you, as you look up the tree, there's a lot of confusion spiritually, a lot of brokenness, and there is a lot of dysfunction. And rather than you being provided for, affirmed, empowered, and valued, dysfunction flowed down the family tree and filled your soul. And if you try to fix yourself and fix all of that in your own ideas, you will work toward a day that will never come. So what do you do? You start at the cross realizing that there is another tree. And as you look up this other tree, you see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And at Calvary, on that old rugged tree, Jesus stretched out his arms and became a sacrifice. And when you surrender your heart to Jesus, the blessing of the Father comes down. And if you study the Old Testament, it says that it comes down like thunder rain. New Testament says... It is lavished out upon us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died and you become born again. You become the offspring. You become the harvest. You become the fruit of the completed work of Christ at the cross. You are fundamentally not who you used to be. You are changed, and there is an instantaneous change, and then a progressive work that leads you to such transformation that it's hard to to even remember how broken and dysfunctional you were. Now, it's so powerful that you don't disconnect. It is impossible to no longer be part of this family tree. And that is not even the goal. I know at times there are thoughts, but 
such pain that you've experienced that if I never have to see any of those people again, great. That, that there's nothing but pain that has come down. But I want to tell you about the depth of God's grace at the cross when you are born again, when you then spiritually grow, there's such a depth of healing and transformation that takes place that as you are a part of that family, which you're always going to be, though no blessing came down, you can send some blessing up. See, God can use you through your grace capacity to bless those who hurt you, to bless those who, who, who just pass down dysfunction. They didn't give you any affirmation, value, significance, or empowerment. But you can send some blessing up. For what you realize that through the power of the tree, the cross, you are made new so that you're not a chip off the old block. You're a brand new creation still within the family tree. And from here on, things change within the family line because there's now something of blessing coming down the line and you can also send some blessing up the line. Your dad may have been dysfunctional and messed up, but God can use you to send the message of Christ and his love to them to where they too can be saved by his grace. You start at the cross. There's no other place. There's no other answer. It is the cross of Jesus Christ. And then you, you walk in that blessing. The next thing you do is realize your parents are people. I said this in the early service. I have an incredible mom and dad. They raised me to know the Lord. Our home was filled with love and support, encouragement, affirmation, empowerment. It, it was amazing. And I only viewed them for many, many years as parents. It's all I knew them to be. I, I didn't also realize they're people. I encourage you to see your parents as people, not to excuse dysfunction, not to excuse unnecessary pain, but to give you perspective that if you take the time to look up the family tree and you look above your mom and dad, you'll see that there was some chaos up that tree. Guns, alcohol. It's like a zoo. And I say that not so we go, okay, well, we excuse it. No, but to give perspective. To give perspective. They're people. No parent bats a thousand. There's everything from a no parent will ever bat a thousand to a parent that has been abusive, like Matt's stepdad. Nothing excuses that kind of behavior except the grace of God. And I'm not saying to 
Look at them as people so that you excuse behavior that demands an apology, that demands a certain process. But to at least get perspective that there's some brokenness that was also, they didn't get blessed either. There was no blessing coming down. That's so why you are, you are the start of something new within that whole line. Because grace has come to you. Let me give you an illustration that I have heard Matt Redmond say. It helps with this whole idea. He said when this stuff had happened in his life, the pain, the brokenness, that God had a way of showing him, you're at, it's like a V, and you're at this starting place. And you have options. You will either go in this direction, where there is brokenness and bitterness, and then you'll continue in the family tree to pass that on down. Or you can take another route where there is truth and it will fill you with worship and that will become the influence of your life. Then the Lord helped him to see that the farther you go in one of these roads, the farther it is from the other. The farther you travel in bitterness and brokenness, the more of a leap it is to come to truth, deliverance, and an influence of Christianity on those around you. It doesn't mean you can't. It just means that the longer you track this way, the deeper, more galvanized your heart becomes to where a message like this may be like a battering ram trying to get through to your heart. Because we get harder, more galvanized, more resolved in our position of, of pain and anger. It is at this point that Matt Redman made a, an amazing statement. He said, even as a teenager, he came to realize that people aren't always what they appear to be. And therefore... God helped him, and this is a supernatural work of grace, to not hold God accountable for what people have done with the gift of free will. See, you'll, you'll go down this road if you're trying to say, why did this happen to me? Why did I have to be born in this tree? Why, why me? Why this? Those are honest questions. But the end result is you're still in that situation. And you can't hold people, you can't hold God accountable for what people do with the gift of free will. And if you can come to that clarity that, hey, there are some fakes and phonies sitting in this room. They look like they're doing great. And I'm telling you, they, they, they're nowhere close to the way it appears. So we know that. And that's their choice. It's the gift of free will. Do we hold God responsible for the, for the outflow and the influence of that kind of life? No, that person's held responsible for the choices they make. They See, sometimes we think forgiving somebody is letting them off the hook. They're not off the hook with God. God 
God will settle the issues. What we're doing is we're leaving, we're leaving all of that to God. We're not even going to play out in our mind how that will look. It's not our responsibility. It's our responsibility to say, here's where I am. And rather than going the path of brokenness and bitterness and passing that down, I'm going to go the way of truth that helps me to walk out deliverance and healing and then fills my life with worship. Here's what Matt says. I realized I was going to be filled with something. I wanted it to be worship. He says, because what you're filled with is going to flow through you. And here's the deal. Roots determine fruit. And if you're rooted in truth, filled with worship, the fruit of your life will be that of a contagious Christianity. Amazing. So, Final thought. Start at the cross. Parents are people. And receive some new information. Among the songs that Matt Reb has written, one is called Father's Song. One day, while processing his situation, what he had experienced... The passage from Zephaniah 3 came to his mind. Let me outline what it says. It says in Zephaniah 3, 1, God is mighty to save. Next line, he takes delight in us. Next line, he will quiet us with his love. And finally, he rejoices over us with singing. God was... Revealing to Matt his fatherhood. Matt's perspective of fatherhood had been broken, smashed into a million pieces. And when the word father reached his mind, he did not have thoughts of mighty to save. One who takes delight in you. One who quiets you with his love. One who rejoices over you with singing. I, I don't know why God allowed me to be born into the family I was born into. I am forever grateful and will forever honor my dad. I've got so many people in my life that have shaped my life, but my greatest hero, not even a close second, is my dad. Because when I think about those things, he showed me a God mighty to save. He, my dad, my earthly dad, took delight in me. That's very affirming and creates a sense of value in you. That then positions you in life to take some risk because you've been taught that failure is not fatal. My dad rejoiced over me. He never sang. Thank God. But he rejoiced. So I... I have this concept of God. It's not hard for me to wrap my mind around this concept of a God mighty to save, a God who takes delight, a God who would be there with his love when you're troubled and confused to quiet you with his love, to rejoice over you. But I didn't write this song 
that you're about to hear. Matt Redman wrote it, and he wrote it out of Zephaniah 3. And he says, of all the songs I've written, this one came the quickest. And it rose out of my greatest pain. It's called Father's Song. That What greater song is there than the song that the Father's singing over us? And in his life, God revealed himself as a father that's mighty to save, even from what he went through. A God who took delight in him, where Matt would have thoughts of, what did I do? What, what was it about me? God showed him, I take delight in you. And through the cross, he realized, I love you. I lavished out love upon you. You're special. You're valuable. You're the apple of my eye. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you quieted all of that intense emotion and pain with the power of love. Matt, who's a singer, a worshiper, who is sang in front of tens of thousands of people, realized that God was singing over him. I don't know where you are, what your situation, circumstance is, but God does. And he sings over you. I want you to hear the words of this song. And I want it to be ministry of power, encouragement, healing to your heart. Because you've made it all the way to this service with some phrases in your thinking that have come from the enemy of your soul. We've got to receive some new information. What's about to happen is an application of this message. The power of the cross is about to activate perspective is about to change as you receive new information here is the song that he wrote called Father's Song I have heard so many songs listened to a thousand tongues but there is one Sounds above them all. The Father's song, the Father's love, sung it over me and for eternity. It's written on my heart. Heaven. Perfect melody, the Creator's symphony. You are singing over me, the Father's song. Heaven's perfect mystery, King of love, sent for me. Now you're singing over me, Father's song. Heaven's perfect melody, the Creator's symphony. You are singing over me, Father's song. Heaven's perfect mystery, 
king of love sent for me now you're singing over me father of song phrases have made it all the way to this service in your heart and you still hear them whether they were said to you this week or said to you 10, even 20 years ago. Phrases like these. I wish you were never born. You will never amount to anything. I will never forgive you for what you've done. You know you were an accident. I have found another family. This is all your fault. And you struggle through these phrases to get a right perspective of God. This third and final point is about receiving new information. What you are about to see come across the screen are not just words from any book, but from the Bible. It's the very word of God. There will be a handful of them. There are thousands of God giving you new information that he loves you, created you, affirms you, gives you value, empowers you, believes in you lavishes love, purpose, and deep down fulfillment upon you. Provides for you presently, gives you power to deal with your past, and turns your hope toward an eternity in the Father's house.